record. So welcome, I'm Will Mallard. This is the My Property World podcast and we're joined today by Mark Lloyd. Mark is with the Property Master Academy. Uh, his background is as a businessman, investor and property mentor. Now, Mark, today we've invited you on to talk about the mindset of success. Uh, it's a topic that uh, is of, of great interest, I think, to, to most people, but it's a mystery to many of us. Um, and when we, we think about uh, success, people typically look at the results and sometimes the activities, but usually there's an element uh, of what's going on uh, psychologically and emotionally with people. Um, I, I know that you've um, spent a lot of time and um, my understanding is a lot of money developing your understanding uh, about how this works and to the point that you, uh, you not only can explain it, but you uh, can teach it to other people. So um, tell us about your understanding of, of the mindset of success. Yeah, well, hi, Will. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Um, I think, you know, the, the mindset is something that you can learn. And, and I guess for me, I was fortunate that in some respects that my mindset was set for me at quite a young age. And the mindset that was set was probably not what you'd expect. It was actually quite a negative mindset um, provided by my stepmother, which essentially was that I would never be good at anything. And that made me want to prove her wrong. And that's what I've done through most of my life. And, and it's the way your mind reacts to certain things. Now that for me was an emotional reaction. And generally that's often what it is the case. You'll go to uh, lots of seminars. I've, I've attended uh, places like with Tony Robbins, for example, Unleash the Power Within, and did, did the Firewalk experience. Now, you know, if I can just relate to that for a second, walking across hot coals is not a natural thing to do. So how do you do it? And, and I was curious when I went to Tony Robbins, I thought, ah, oh, this, this one sounds quite frightening, two sounds bloody amazing. How's it gonna happen? And when I walked across the hot coals, I could not believe it that I'd actually done it. I, I was ecstatic. But that just shows the power of the human mind. If you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. You might not necessarily get the whole way, but what if you get 70%, 80% of the way, you would have achieved something. And I've believed that throughout my life, that if I focus on something, I can get there. Anybody that knows me, if you ask my business partners, Jackie and Peter, if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. and I'll find a way to do it. So, and that's all down to having that positive mindset. Now, I know, you know, nowadays there are some people that kind of knock the, oh, it's, it's all these be happy, clappy, kind of positive people. But at the end of the day, being in business, you have to be positive. You have to believe in yourself that you can achieve. And I was introduced to an acronym not that long ago by a guy, one of, one of my coaches actually which is focus follow one course until successful and that is so so true uh, throughout my business life i've done a number of different things i've not 
followed that until probably the last 15 years, which has been in property. But prior to that, I had been reasonably successful. You know, I'd, I'd set up companies, I'd sold a couple of companies, but I'd also had some bad situations. And that's really where I wasn't focusing on the right things. But for the past 15 years, I have focused solely on property and it's paid greater dividends than I could ever have imagined. So I think getting that mindset is something you can acquire. It doesn't matter where you're from, what kind of background you're from. My background is relatively poor, but that doesn't matter. Um, sometimes I see that as an excuse with people. I come from a poor background, therefore I can't do X, or I come from a, a relatively well-off background, therefore I can't do this because it's expected of me. That's utter, utter, utter rubbish. It um, sounds like the opposite was true in your case. Yeah, <laughs> uh, totally. I, I um, you know, I, I think also the fact I was brought up in quite a large family. So I have three brothers and older sisters. So I'm the, the eldest of the boys. And from, a, you know, I say relatively young age, my, my father died when I was 25. So I essentially was the head of the family for one of a better way of putting it. Uh, and so all my brothers looked up to me. And um, I, I've had that, I suppose, constant uh, push from them as well um, because they were starting to do things so I've got to do better I've always got to be uh, the, the 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 best at what I do the number one at what I do even if I'm not the number one I, I've got to have the feeling that I can do that and I think if you're going to embark on any endeavor it doesn't matter what it is don't go in half-hearted you know if you look at um, Sir Edmund Hillary when he climbed Mount Everest he was going to do it some way or the other, he's going to do it, and he did it. You look at all these other achievers uh, in, in, in the world throughout athletics, in particular, you, you see in athletics, I think, a, an amazing uh, level of mindset that they're, they're taught by their coaches. They're, they're believing in getting over the finishing line through their mind first before the actual event. That's just so powerful. Um, and you know, the, the, the a famous quote from uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote... Um, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the book now, but anyway, what the, what the mind of man can conceive, the man, that man can uh, achieve. And I think that is so true. So that, that ability to uh, identify what you want um, in advance, that, that seems to be a, a theme in uh, all of the previous discussions uh, I've had with you, is that you, you've been able to obtain a clear picture of what you want. Uh, not necessarily how to get there day one, but um, getting clarity of what you want. And um, that keeps you going when, when things are not going well, because things don't always go well, as you alluded to, in both investment and business in general, and, and your career and your life. Um, what, what stops you from not dwelling on what's gone on in the past? How do you pick yourself up when uh, it's all gone to pieces? Well, I mean, as I said a couple of times in my life, um, the worst time was when I virtually lost everything. And uh, that did take me a little while to recover from that. But I had to change because um, I had to change my mindset of what, what was happening uh, because I, I was... You know, I'd lost I'd lost control of the situation. My um, ex-wife had custody of my daughter, and so 
I had to try and do something because I, 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 at the time, I've, all I was seeing was I was losing my daughter. So I had to change my whole attitude to things. That, that did take me a little bit longer. But otherwise, outside of that, uh, in business, if, if something goes wrong, uh, I'm very much of the attitude, right, that's done. I can't change it. No matter what, if, even if I wanted to change it, it's done. I need to focus on what I can do, not what I can't control. And so and that's one of the benefits really of having a couple of business partners as well, because they know what I'm like. I can't, I can't dwell too much on the negative because it stops me functioning. I have to focus on what I can do and pursue that. If others have to deal with the other aspect of it, that's fine as far as I'm concerned, but I must continue going forward and focus on what I'm trying to do. And you're right, I don't necessarily have a path of how I'm going to get there. Now, I've been fortunate to have some very good coaches and mentors that have helped me, helped guide me on that path. Um, but I've always had that drive and ambition to pursue something. And you know, currently, obviously, it's, it's property. Even though I've, I'm, I'm now 60, I'm 60 this year, I'm older than most other trainers in our industry, but I'm still motivated to do certain things. And, and that's having a focus on looking to achieve those. So from previous conversations, you, you've had some um, um, great successes property-wise. Like you, you've had a, uh, an example where you've more than trebled the, uh, the value of a, a property through a planning game uh, inside 18 months, which is a, a massive achievement. Um, and, and well done for that. And, and all, all of your other successes, but you've also had uh, situations where you've you've lost money. Mm. Um, how do you how do you go again? Um, um, yeah, it, it's I'd say it's hard, but it's not. Um, I think the one of the things that life has taught me, and, and the events that have happened in my life, I I, I guess I probably boil it back down to when I, when I did virtually lose everything as, as we, we spoke about um, on another, another occasion and that kind of taught me that life is too short to dwell too much on things that go wrong if I dwell too much on things that go wrong I, I would never move forward and I, and I see that with a lot of people they, they do overthink things I, I'm probably the total antithesis of that I don't overthink things and that, that's positive as well as a negative you know I don't always see the, the detail behind things but I'm quite fortunate with the business partners I have that do see the detail so you know I pick, picking myself up is not that difficult now it, as I said it was at the time that that circumstance happened it probably took me six months to recover from that but you know I learned valuable lessons from that and, and one of those was you know to make sure that I did go ahead, forge ahead with my what I wanted to do business-wise and work with the people that I wanted to work with uh, and achieve things together. I, I learnt that I couldn't do everything on my own. You know, in my early days, yes, but then things went wrong when I tried to do everything on my own. So working with people was without doubt the best thing I've done uh, outside my family, my kids, uh, on my life, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I think... You're working with Jackie, Peter, some of the um, some of the joint venture partners, business partners that we've worked with as well, that without doubt has been the best thing to do. Uh, I, I'd much rather share uh, the, um, the 
the profit, the wealth that we've created between us rather than trying to do it on my own and not not picking up things. But it's, it's good to have other people around you. And why do you think people get scared of of going to the next level in, in property investment? So they may only have their, their own home or maybe not even their own home at that initial stage. Um, or perhaps just one buy to let or five buy buy to lets, but something stops and there's a, there's a fear. What where do you think that comes from in, in most Brits? Yeah, you're right. I mean, let's face it. You know, buying a property is a big acquisition for anybody. Whether it's your first, second, third, tenth, twentieth property, it's still a big acquisition. Uh, there's a lot of money goes into it. But I think that the fear is it's just coming from the unknown. You know, when when we bought our very first buy to let property. Um, I was fine doing the deal. And this is where we kind of worked out whose, whose roles should be what. So finding and getting the deal, I was fine with. But as soon as we got the deal over the line and started forking out loads of money for you know, refurbishing the property and so on, I thought, oh, crikey, we, we're, all we're doing now is we're just, so we've spent money to buy the property. We're now spending more money to refurbish the property. And God knows how long it's going to be before we get some return back. I mean, thankfully, once the refurbishment was complete on that first property, we had a tenant in on the very first day. But up to that point, um, it, it was you know, fear of the unknown. I'd not experienced that before. Now I, I know what's going to happen. And I think that's the same with people that are just starting out. It's just they don't know. They don't realise you're getting their first or second or third property or having to find money to do deals because that's, that's one of the biggest uh, objections you get with people uh, starting out in property investing. Well, I've only got X amount of money. How on earth am I going to buy more than one or two properties? So it's the lack of knowledge, it's the fear of the unknown that stops them progressing. And, and that's where you know, coaching and mentoring helps people. It, it pushes them beyond the boundaries they've set themselves. And that's the, that's the job of a coach and mentor is to help them see what can be done, show them what can be done and help them get there. And it's often um, the uh, the properties or the deals where there's something inherently wrong that actually hold the greatest opportunity. So something doesn't have planning. Um, you know, it's incredibly risky. Um, you know, if you haven't done it before, uh, certainly in, in your own mind, um, that there's a, um, a, a failure of the previous property business uh, to maintain a property. So it needs doing up, it needs refurbishment, as you said. Um, being able to see that, that change, um, do you think you're good at that and why? Uh, do I think I'm good at seeing the change? I see the opportunity and you know there's a common saying isn't there in property you make your money when you buy i, I know my, my figures I'm, I'm pretty good at um the actual seeing the end result jackie's far better <laughs> i could you know I, I can work out the figures um and base those figures on certain things but seeing what the end product's going to look like i can't i'm i'm useless at looking at a property and seeing all these fancy things and this is what's going to end up looking like but the figures I, I can, I, I can, you know, based on obviously the, the information I can get hold of, that's what I'm quite good at. And, and so 
uh, you know, things like the land side of things, which you know we, we, we've done done a few of those, they are at the higher risk uh, profile, uh, which I, I fit anyway. But I, I that's the kind of thing I like doing. I've got a couple of other land deals that I'm working on at the moment, which are quite reasonable size. Do they have risks associated? Of course they do. Um, but you know, managing risk. Uh, coupled with the right belief and mindset that it's going to work, I think you've got a good combination there. Uh, can you get it right all the time? Of course not. You know, that's the whole nature of investing. Uh, there's, there's risk involved, but you minimise that risk uh, by, taking, you know, by the actions that you take. And I think working, working on something for a while, a number of years, I mean, I've got one land project now, I've been working on for a number of years now, uh, but it's the belief that we are going in the right direction and just and focusing our energies on how we can make it work rather than how we can't make it work. I see far too many people walk away from things just before they're going to hit some success. I see it all the time in property. I've seen it in many other businesses too, that people just don't give it enough time. And remember, I'll go back to that acronym again, focus, fo uh, follow one course until successful, give it the time. Because the good thing about time is the longer you give something, generally speaking, you will succeed at it. So that ability to stay the course is a key key thing mindset-wise. And do you think there's a cultural element to, to this? Your, uh, and I have to get this in as a New Zealander, your, your personal partner uh, is also a New Zealander, a Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, like myself, and um, what what do you notice um, culturally is is different about Brits and other people? Oh wow, um, <laughs> it's difficult actually. Well, I think if you look at um, the UK as an entity, I can't remember where this statistic came from actually, but I think we've invented more things per capita than any other country in the world. We're very good at inventing things. Uh, where we've been lacking um, is in developing those. And a prime case, an example, was the internet, uh, where we, we developed the World Wide Web, who, who actually marketed it very much better than us, the Americans did. And that's been common with a lot of things that, uh, that we've invented. I think we- I thought you were gonna say cricket, but um, <laughs> we actually won the, the last World Cup. So well, uh, I, I can't use that one. No, um, sporting, you know, hey, we, we're, we're for the forever believers that we're going to win, aren't we? Uh, whether it's cricket, rugby or football, uh, we always want to win. Uh, we do very well at athletics, I think, for such a small country. Um, but I think, you know, culturally, you know, I think that the small countries have a, have a major advantage, in my opinion. And this, and like, like New Zealand, for example, because there's lots of innovation come out, that comes out of New Zealand as well. And if I can relate this to the business context. So whereas we do see a lot of things come out of America, but did they originate there? Probably not. And smaller countries are like smaller businesses. Smaller businesses are much more innovative. They don't have the same kind of shackles that surround larger businesses. And I think the same to, in, to some degree is applicable to countries. A lot of the larger countries had a lot more regulation. Look at the EU, for example. But then you look at somewhere like New Zealand, yes, there's regulations in place to protect people, but because you're a small country, you can actually do things that much quicker. And there's some amazing things that have come out of New Zealand. 
you look at America, yes, there's some things that happen there, but I, I look at some of the technology, did it, what, did it start there? A lot of it didn't. Some did, in, in fair, fairness to them, but a lot of it didn't. Uh, take Apple as an example. You know, the Apple touchscreen, did they develop it? No, developed by Samsung. Did they develop the smartphone? No, they didn't. I think the very first smartphone was, uh, I think it was uh, Nokia, I think developed the very first smartphone. I might be wrong there, but it certainly was not built in America. They've developed it by far. You know, the, the good thing about, uh, I like about um, Americans is they're exceptionally good marketeers and salespeople. And in a parallel back into uh, property investment, a small investor can see and create opportunities, but having the mindset to go on and develop it to fruition, um, what, what do you think um, causes people to push on that little step further beyond seeing the opportunity? Well, I think there's, there's, there's two things really. I mean, one, one is watching and learning from other people because it, clearly it works. Uh, the fact of the matter is there are a number of um, property millionaires out there. There are people with multitude of properties. So clearly it works. They're not necessarily anything special. I'm not, many people in our space are not anything special. They've just learnt along the way or they've had someone guide them. And I was fortunate enough with uh, Jackie and Peter to be guided by some very experienced mentors. And that's, clear, and that's something that we do today where we guide the, the less experienced into doing and achieving things they think may not necessarily be possible. And we have some amazing successes this year from people that didn't necessarily believe at the outset they could do it, but they have done. They've just listened to what we said and done exactly as we asked them to do. And Mark, where would someone find out about this? Um, well, on, on our, yep, on our website, so um, propertymasteracademy.co.uk, um, we, we, that's where we have our uh, programs are on there. Or, or indeed, people can just email me, mark at propertymasteracademy.co.uk, and we can always schedule a call. Well, Mark, thank you very much. So that, that's Mark Lloyd from propertymasteracademy.co.uk. Thanks for coming on My Property World. Uh, I'm Will Mallard. Mark Lloyd, thanks again. Thanks, Will. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello, I'm Will Mallard and welcome to My Property World. Uh, today we're joined on the podcast by Mark Lloyd. Mark is with uh, propertymasteracademy.co.uk and uh, at the conclusion uh, we'll, we'll repeat the 
uh, contact details again. Um, but Mark has a fabulous background in both business and property uh, and has run the Property Master Academy uh, together with a couple of experienced partners um, for a number of years now. And today we're, we're going to be focusing on um, property investment from the, the point of view of a new investor. So a, a newbie, someone who's thinking about getting involved in the property market, um, they might have a, a few thousand or uh, could be a larger amount. And that could be in equity, it could be in their pension, it could be in the bank, and it could have come from any number of sources, but they're, they're thinking about um, getting into property investment. So, um, Mark, you're very welcome, firstly. Um, and my, my first question really is, uh, why, why would a new investor uh, listen to you? Hi, hi, Will. Thanks for having me again. Um, why would a new investor listen to me? Wow, okay, big question. I, I guess, one, I have the experience. So I've been investing now for over 15 years. I've been in business for over 30 years. So I, not only do I bring investing experience, but I also bring business experience as well. And quite a lot of it having uh, set up and run a number of companies, which I've also uh, sold a few of those as well. Um, so I bring those, not, not just the investing skill, but the business skill to it as well. And I think to run a successful property investing uh, business, you need to bring the two together. You need to have the mindset of uh, a business person bringing together into the investment arena. So I think it's really those two main skills really from why a new investor should listen to what uh, the things that we do. Um, and of course, as, as you know, we do mentor uh, a lot of new investors in this arena. And, and what is property investment in, in simple terms for a, a retail or, or private private individual um, or, or a couple that are, is looking to get involved uh, in investing in property? You have to explain what it is and how it works. Yeah, sure. So property investing, very simply, is investing in a property that's not your own, not, not one you're necessarily, sorry, not one you're living in, but looking to invest in a property where you're going to re receive a return. And generally, the most common one of those is buy-to-let. So you're investing in a property with a buy-to-let mortgage and someone else is going to live there under a tenancy agreement. And from that, you're going to get a return. And that rental return will more than cover the mortgage payment. And what you're looking to achieve is growth over the medium to long term. It's not a short term investment, unlike some others. Property is very much a longer term investment. Um, and you, know, you can make money uh, quickly in property to some degree, but generally speaking, it is a longer term investment. So you're looking to invest your money for the longer term. And it doesn't have the vast ups and downs that the stock market has. It's very much a steady, slow progress over a number of years. So let, let's assume that we're, um, we're going to put some numbers in. So let, let's assume we're starting with a, a pot of, we'll say 30,000 pounds. Okay, and we're, we've got that uh, cash in the bank, 30,000 pounds. We've saved it up, we've been given it, we've been gifted it, we've won it. Uh, we have it in the bank. Um, how do the numbers, what, what can we buy 
with that and um, how how would it how might it work? Do you want to give us a couple of quick examples? Yeah, sure. Well, before I do that, I think the very first thing that you have to decide is what is your what is your ultimate goal? What is it you're trying to achieve? Um, so a lot of people I talk to are looking to get out of their job and, and see property as a way of replacing that income. So I then need to know over what period of time are they looking to try and achieve that. But that aside, if they've got £30,000 to start with, it's going to depend on a, on a couple of factors. Firstly, where are they looking to invest? Because clearly £30,000 in, say, the southeast of the UK will not get you very far. However, there are still things you can do. £30,000 in somewhere like Sunderland, Hartlepool can get you quite a long way. Now, average property prices in those areas will be somewhere around about the £40,000-£50,000 mark, sometimes cheaper. So £30,000, as you can see straight away, even providing for a 25% deposit, will allow you to buy at least one, potentially two, uh, buy-to-let properties. If you're based in the southeast, however, unless you want to travel, and I have done this, so it, it can be done, uh, but unless you want to travel to the, the cheaper areas of the country, and that's generally going to be in the north and parts of Wales, to use that £30,000, and also Scotland as well, then there are other things you can do with £30,000 in the southeast. And I'll give you a couple of different examples there. So one would be a strategy called rent to rent. Uh, you're not actually owning the property in this instance. So you're, you're investing to a degree, um, but you don't actually own the property. It's a, what's called a controlling strategy. So you control the property to be able to make money from it. Um, and that's a very simple strategy, relatively low cash input and relatively high returns too. A second strategy that you could use also in the southeast is uh, something called land assembly or land finding where you don't necessarily uh, purchase the land, but you take it on what's called an option. Now, an option agreement essentially says you're going to buy that property if something happens in the future. And for land, that's going to be getting planning. So you make an agreement with the landowner that you will pay X amount for that land only when you get planning. So you're not paying much up front. In fact, the minimum you have to pay is a pound. But then your £30,000 can be used potentially to help get planning on that plot of land. And in a lot of instances, that will be more than ample, certainly on a smaller plot of land, to get planning and create planning, planning uplift. And if you structure it correctly, you never have to buy the land in the first place either. So a potentially good profit return there. So that's two, two examples, and then there are plenty of others. So you've got... Uh, both different locations that you, you'll need to decide uh, where you're going to focus on. You've got different, um, I suppose, investment strategies but, uh, in terms of uh, how are you going to go about deploying your, uh, your resources, including the, the £30,000. Um, so if we took a, um, one of the first examples, so uh, we've got £30,000. And we bought a, a property, um, and you, you mentioned a couple of locations in the northeast of England. Yeah. Um, so you you buy buy one of these these properties for we'll say sixty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? How does it actually work? 
if you've only got thirty thousand, you okay. you get a mortgage, I presume. Yeah, sure. So if we've got a purchase price of sixty thousand pounds, the average buy-to-let mortgage will be at what's called seventy-five percent loan-to-value. So in other words, you should be able to get a mortgage for forty-five thousand pounds on that sixty thousand pound property. So that means you have to put a deposit in of fifteen thousand pounds. You'll also have some costs on top of that. You won't have any stamp duty, but you will have solicitor's costs and survey uh, lender's survey fees. That's probably going to be somewhere around about fifteen hundred pounds. But that should be uh, enough to get that property. Then once you've purchased the property, of course, there'll be the refurbishment costs. Now, refurbishments uh, in the northeast generally cost a lot less as well because labour rates are cheaper. And you can often refurbish an entire property for between five and ten thousand um, pounds. So you can see quite easily there where your thirty thousand pounds can go. And the idea being that when you're refurbishing the property, you're looking to add value. So hopefully your £60,000 property that you've purchased initially, you've purchased at a below market rate, so you're buying it right in the first place because you make your money when you buy. You're adding value through the refurbishment. And what you should be looking to do for every pound, uh, sorry, for every two pounds you're spending on the refurbishment, you should be looking to make at least a pound on top, so a third on top again. And that's the added value you're creating. And that should reflect itself in the valuation of the property once your refurbishment is completed. So let's say you've spent another £10,000 on refurbishing the property, so you're up to in round figures £70,000, and let's say it's worth now 80, 85, maybe £90,000. At that point, you can what we call refinance the property. So uh, as long as you've owned it for usually six months, some lenders will, are different to that, but generally speaking, at six month point, you can refinance the property to up to 75% of that new value and pull out some of your initial capital and do the same thing again. So you've brought it, just to, to summarise, you've brought it for 60. You've got um, additional costs between the refurbishment and the, uh, the completion costs with the solicitor and so forth of another 1,500. Uh, you've spent another 10,000. And there, we'll put another three and a half thousand in to, to round it up to uh, seventy-five thousand in at, um, at, at that point. You you go six months a year down the track. Uh, you get a favourable valuation of now ninety thousand. So, uh, what's three quarters or seventy-five percent of ninety thousand? That'd be sixty-seven and a half thousand. Wow. So at that point, your uh, have an ability to get a mortgage for 67500 Yep. So you can put that your initial deposit. A year before yep. for 60000 Correct. Okay. So, so you've got some of your money back out if you choose to uh, avail of that higher valuation. Yep. Or at that same loan to value. Now, uh, so 67500 um, what, what sort of um, uh, interest rates, what, what's uh, the high end of interest rates for a buy-to-let um, at the moment? Yeah, the high end for uh, buy-to-let interest rates, depending on how you buy it, because of course you, you need to look at the structure of how you're going to buy the property, whether it's in your own name or a limited company, but generally the higher rates are going to be three, maybe three and a half percent at the very top end at the moment. 
Okay, so three and a half percent. What what is that on sixty seven and a half thousand of a mortgage? So I think that's uh, it's about two hundred pounds a month. Is that right? It sounds not far off. Two thirds of uh, it's two thirds of a hundred, and yeah. so yep, that sounds about right. So about two hundred pounds a month. What would you rent a place that um, was valued at ninety thousand uh, in say Hartlepool on uh, a monthly basis? Yeah, you're probably looking around about four hundred fifty pounds a month, Mark. Okay, so you've got a, a little bit extra to play with. So. Presumably, you've got some other expenses like insurances, and uh, I imagine you've got to make provision for future refurbishments and and things like cleaning the gutters, because most tenants wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah, that's true. I mean, generally speaking, uh, your you know, insurance uh, is not going to cost much, around about ten pounds a month, um, and we generally suggest keeping in reserve between five and 10% of the monthly rental as, as a contingency fund for any future uh, issues. But if you've just refurbished the property, that those issues shouldn't arise for at least the first couple of years, if, if not longer than that. I mean, I've, I've had properties for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years where we've had no refurbishment needed since day one. Okay, so, so just in the example uh, that we've been using here, You've got um, approximately seven and a half thousand left in the deal. Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. Yes, sounds about right. Yep. And your uh, after after cost, you've got somewhere in the region of one hundred and fifty uh, pounds per month uh, net on, on top, give or take. Yep. Yeah, maybe a little bit more on, on a good day. That sounds about right. Yep. Okay, what, what, what does that work out um, uh, as a percentage uh, on your seven and a half thousand? Well, that, that works out about 24% return on your money. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. a, a long way above what you'd get in the bank or uh, and, and pretty much anything anyone else uh, is offering. And you're in control of it as well. Yeah, and I, I think you know a lot of new investors tend to just look at the initial rental return versus the value of the property rather than looking at the rental return versus their actual capital that's tied up and that's the important figure to look at the return on investment or return on capital is the most important figure in my opinion when you're looking at uh, the figures for uh, an investment property and as you've just seen there yeah 24 return per annum is a pretty damn good return okay so so from that initial uh pot of thirty thousand, your um you're theoretically uh, over the course of um two two and a half years just using that same same pot you're able to get potentially four properties uh potentially yeah 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 okay well and and this this is as a new investor you don't need you don't need a um a qualification you don't need a um, you don't need to go to university to learn how to do it. No, no qualifications needed. 
Um, some of it's you know just common sense. Being, being good at figures um, will help. Uh, you know, understanding the figures I think is really important. Um, and obviously mm. doing your due diligence on the area where you're going to buy these properties as well. Uh, okay, Mark. So you've obviously had a a lot of experience your, yourself in doing this. And additionally, your your business uh, does mentoring for new investors, so they can get in touch with you at uh, your website, which is propertymasteracademy.co.uk. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And, yeah. and do they fill in a, a form on the website? Is that how it works? And you'll give them a uh, ring yeah, back. There's a couple of options on there, but yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a contact us on there, or there's a form they can fill out, or indeed they can email me uh, as well, which is just mark at propertymasteracademy.co.uk. Very good. And there's no obligation for making that inquiry, I take it. No, absolutely not at all. Okay, Mark Lloyd, thanks again. Um, I'm Will Mallard. This is My Property World Podcast. Thanks again, Mark. You're welcome.